0: Hello everyone, Uh, we are currently on a hiatus and while we're on a hiatus we are re-releasing some classics from the I'm Anxious About Archive uh, condensed to just the best parts of the episode and we hope that you enjoy this re-release from one of our favorite episodes from the library.
1: We hope Chris and Allison from the past treat you well. Welcome to I'm Anxious About, a podcast where two friends commiserate about our respective anxieties on a new topic each week. I'm Christopher Mitchell.
0: And I'm Alison Green. And today we are anxious about procrastination. music music
1: yeah I was thinking we could just like I was gonna plan on like pause, like some sort of ceremonious pause to like kind of procrastinating the beginning of the episode but then I realized like it wouldn't work functionally really
0: no no it wouldn't it's a it's a concept though
1: it is a concept
0: (laughs) Chris how do you feel about today's topic where do you fall on the procrastination spectrum
1: so I think procrastination is interesting for me because It's something that I've like intimately confronted for a long, you know, for my whole life. And I think when we chose the topic, I thought that I kind of knew what I was going to say. And then when I was sort of mentally preparing for the episode a little bit, I realized like procrastination, whether we know it or not, is like, it's sort of this extremely innate part of our existence, right? Like it it permeates a lot more than I thought, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's something that's kind of unavoidable, even as much as you try to avoid it. And um, it's just a very natural human reaction. And we're going to talk a little bit later in this episode about the psychology of why that is and what is so innately tempting and rewarding and also pernicious about procrastination. Um, For me, procrastination is one of my biggest struggles in life um having a combination of anxiety and depression i can really get in these procrastination ruts where moving out of it feels pretty impossible and we are going to be discussing a little more i'll be airing a lot of dirty laundry about my procrastination and um how it's affected me through my life but um how should we how should we tackle this um you want to talk a little bit about um
1: I think we can both probably start by just talking about how we um, at least like conceptualize or combat procrastination like on a macro scale and then Mm -hmm. dive into that. So you're welcome to start or I can start, but uh, your call.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'll get started. Um, Yeah, for me, procrastination, like I said, is a struggle that's been ongoing throughout my life. I get really worked up about beginning a task even if the task is extremely short even a five or ten minute task can just continue staying on my to-do list for days and days and days um case in point like i have to send an invoice to a client i completed work for it's been two weeks that has been on my to-do list that i haven't sent it over and like creating an invoice takes 10 minutes max plus like composing an email but I think it's like the composing an email part that's just like has me slightly stressed so and then I get really worked up and this is a very random thing that I get worked up about is like I start thinking about what day of the week it is And using that as a way to procrastinate doing things. So I'm like, oh, it's like 6 p.m. on a Thursday. It's not during working hours. So I can't send the email as if like there's like, (laughs) you know, like as if email matters what time you send things like that's (laughs) literally the point of email is that it's a 24 hour a day thing. But it's just, you know, it's it's one of these mental systems that I create for myself in order to enable procrastination, which I think. Uh, listeners I almost said readers (laughs) listeners (laughs) will be familiar with is that um, you're capable of these like incredible feats of mental engineering to keep yourself from doing incredibly Mm -hmm. simple things at times and sometimes they aren't simple things Um, I procrastinate basically everything that has any sort of like Official veneer, like um, any sort of application or like bureaucratic thing or tax document, I literally just procrastinate. Sometimes for years, as in, I have to file an amendment to my 2016 taxes that, and I've known that since 2016. I couldn't get this one document that I needed, my W twos, and because of that because I had to make a phone call to then get my W-2s to then file my taxes. I waited for like two years to even make the call for my W-2s. I finally got the W-2s and I still haven't filed my amendment and I'm owed like thousands of dollars probably because you tend to like overpay when uh, like into your taxes and then you get like a refund generally if you work in a, um, like if you work for, a oh my God, forgetting the word like a company or a, a federal agency, you generally get refunded money. And so I'm Mm -hmm. owed a bunch of money that I'm like, nope, I just mentally can't handle filing an amendment on my taxes. I just still haven't done it. And I probably won't do it till 2021. Let's be real. And um, there's just all these things that I just like put off and put off because the The idea of starting them feels so Herculean, the effort involved. It's just, ugh. And so, yeah, I just think about it all the time and procrastinate about it. And sometimes up to five years <laughs> or longer.
1: It's interesting. I mean, there's a, there's a bunch there that I want to uh, talk about. First thing that I'm going to say is that one thing I think about this podcast is that we get the opportunity to talk about these things openly. And because you've said it publicly now, now um, myself and our listeners can um, very kindly and in a supporting manner, hold you lovingly accountable. Yeah. Um, so I think one goal, <laughs> one goal, one goal for some time, no pressure, no pressure, but one goal we can have is to get those, those uh, filed And then you get to post an epic picture in the We're Anxious About Facebook group of like popping balls of champagne because you got Mm -hmm. thousands of bucks back. So that's one thing we're going to do.
0: And just a quick note to the IRS. You guys owe me money, not the other way (laughs) way around. So don't fucking come at me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So that's hilarious. The other thing I was thinking when you were talking about – and this is something I think a lot of people with anxiety will understand is that – I think in general, when you have anxiety, you have a very specific conception of what you want something to look like. So to, to do something less than that feels a little bit yes. painful and it can be this sense of perfectionism. And there's that quote that I always come back to, which I think oftentimes when you're talking about something like this, I often think about it, which is like Voltaire's quote, which is like perfect is the enemy of good. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, that's the way I feel as well. I edit everything a billion times or whatever, but the, the, the reason that can be problematic is because kind of what you were saying before, it feels Herculean because a task that for someone else, they'd be like, I'm going to do this well enough. For you, you're like, well, I need to devote this time to do it perfectly, even if it's like something bureaucratic, which doesn't need to be done perfectly.
0: Yeah, you know exactly. Exactly.
1: And oh, go ahead.
0: No, no, go for it
1: the only other thing i wanted the reason that i wanted to continue that is because i feel like this is just something that i was i wrote it down as a, as like an observation when you were talking and i just want to share it because i think it's like
0: i'm honored that you take notes when i talk i don't i, don't.
1: I will perhaps <laughs> perhaps well i hope you don't take notes when you talk it'd be a jumbled mess you'd be like oh great talk Allison." when you were talking about the notion of like we create these. We've talked a lot about like how anxiety can be difficult because you create these elaborate narratives, right? And in, in your head, it just occurred to me that what that's really like. And this is, like, this is where the travel—I uh, don't want to say loser, but like the tra- travel-obsessed part of me—and the like um, metaphor and like uh, all of these things collide. I
0: knew a metaphor was coming. Of I course, knew it. yes.
1: I mean, it was inevitable. Right. So what I was thinking about was the the scaffolding we create in our mind like to to justify these things. It reminds me a lot of the the buildings of of North Korea, which are like they're built up. There's light shining all over them. They look hyper impressive, but they're empty on the inside, you know. Yeah. But you, but you, the building looks so large and imposing, you're like, I don't know. I mean, that does look impressive, but of course it's the same thing with anxiety. Like that's, you build those large buildings, but you can topple them over with a, you know, with a good push. And yeah. I think that's, that's kind of the job of, with anxiety is like, we can, we can look objectively and realize that a lot of those things that we create in our mind, uh, there's no interior, you know, there's no floors in the building. It's all empty.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, but it doesn't make them feel any less haunted or imposing for sure. Like it's no, especially it's with the North very, Korean example because it's yeah.
1: an intense place.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just really struggle to, I, I, I guess I just, I struggle to move past the cognitive dissonance phase where I both accept that something is problematic and actually get the resolve to do something about it. I just kind of continue in the space where I know what I'm doing um, is not good for me, but I can't pull myself out of the rut and move forward and start making changes. I'm still sort of in that sort of that valley where now, can I use a metaphor, please? I'm kind of... Um, I'm um, almost, I grant
1: you this metaphor, please.
0: <laughs> um, it's almost like when you have a car that's stuck in the mud and you kind of you can't quite get the traction to get yourself out of the mud and so you just keep spitting out your wheels. That's sort mm. of how I feel with procrastination. And then I'm just making a fucking mess everywhere and I'm still stuck in the mud.
1: Um, and you're more stuck in the mud, really, yeah. because you were trying hard to get out, right? Exactly. And then... Can I extend the metaphor?
0: Oh, please. We're so, just going to have a 50 minute long metaphor. Enjoy, guys.
1: <laughs> yes, please enjoy. I hope you're sipping on your you know, delightful mint julep and enjoying. Um, I don't know you why I Might want said to add julep.
0: another shot to your mint julep. <laughs> yeah, I was
1: going to say, we're going with double mint juleps today. Um, I, to extend the metaphor, the problem is that we spin our wheels endlessly, and we get so stubborn that we continue to hit the acceleration. All we need to do is call for help and have someone pull us out, but we're too proud to even do that and be like, um, "Hey, I know you have a truck, and I'm horribly stuck in the mud because you're too scared to even admit that you're stuck in the mud." Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, I can't further this metaphor, so let's move on.
1: <laughs> okay, well then I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it. Uh, take it back and we'll see if I can spin some more metaphors into this. Perfect. I was going to say from my perspective. Run it into and, the
0: ground, Chris.
1: Yeah, okay, I will. <laughs> I will, which actually kind of fits in with what I was going to say. But I um, I have a tendency as, um, as has been talked about a few times on this show of just really, I, I'm not great at, uh, if I have an off button, I haven't found it yet. And so for me, it can be a problem because I just, I mean, procrastination, I don't even really know what it looks like for me because I'm always kind of going. What I've realized is that I don't really procrastinate too much when it com- especially when it comes to work stuff. I mean, I, I Bree has already told me that I have to mention that I'm, I procrastinate with house stuff and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So that uh, we, we'll have to mention that. I guess I have now. So that's one check mark um, <laughs> positive. But I don't really procrastinate too much with work stuff. And it's largely because of my anxiety around failure, like I'm so anxious about failing that I have a lot of the things that I'm trying to do professionally so high up on the, the list. And then I have like my whiteboard beside my desk and I have, you know, the calendar um, beside the whiteboard and then like the yearly calendar, like I have all of these systems which kind of put all of these things that I have to do in such uh, aggressive plain sight that I'm almost, I've almost like created a bit of a conveyor belt of, you know, of work for myself because I know what the opposite looks like Mm -hmm. and that has its positives and its negatives. But I do think that my uh, ability not to procrastinate with with work stuff, it it really is tied to that being so anxious about failing sort of uh, mentality.
0: Yeah. I think I have an anxiety about failing as well, but it manifests totally differently in that I get anxious about failing, so I don't even start, you know, and I get anxious about getting stuck in the middle of a task and having mustered up the energy to start it and then leaving it half finished. I don't like to finish something halfway, like I need to do Mm -hmm. it. All at once, pretty much, and because I feel like, let's start with the car metaphor again. It's like once you got it, once you got it running, you know, you can keep momentum without a certain amount without needing to hit the gas as long as you're still moving, you know, but if I stop in the middle of it, it's like I run out of gas, and then it's harder for me to start it up a second time. So it's like I get this idea in my head, that I just need to tackle the whole thing in one like a one shot swoop. sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. And part of that is backed up by past experience, and part of that is completely fabricated because I'm looking for the perfect magical conditions where this task that has been haunting me for months and months and months can finally be tackled. You know what I mean? And yeah. it is a bit of a perfectionist kind of fantasy in a way that like. There is this one perfect way to do it that is going to happen on one perfect day and you're just going to get it done. So all the other days you're just waiting for that day. You know what I mean?
1: I wonder if a lot of people would really resonate with what you're saying because I know just from look, we obviously talk all the time now because we're hosting this and we have a lot of like, I think we have a fair amount of dialogue in between our episodes um, because we just don't talk to each other enough apparently. But I think <laughs> that um it's interesting to me because something that I have kind of picked up is like, you're either insanely productive and you're like, and you're like message me and you're like, I just tackled like five days worth of work in Mm -hmm. the most egregious, caffeinated 24 hour period of my life. Um, (laughs) or you're like, I am beyond lethargic and I'm like too lazy to take a sip of water right now. And it's like, and so it's this, like, there is no balance and it, I guarantee it's something that a lot of people can resonate with. And I really struggle with balance myself just in different ways. And I'm sure that's, I mean, I'm am sure that's something you can speak to a little bit more.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's like, it's interesting because it's it's kind of two two things. And I guess they're a bit related in a way, but I think that sort of cycle, the push and pull of lethargy and productivity is definitely a symptom of like, or not a symptom necessarily, but a result of depression and with depression you have days that are so bad and then you have days that are either okay or at least better than bad and so if you have depression you get really used to forcing yourself to do as much as humanly possible on those days that aren't as bad because those are the only days that you really have that window and so you kind of have to force yourself to work within those windows or you can't do anything at all. And so it's that, but I also sort of have this layer of sort of some sort of like chronic pain and fatigue health issues, like not as severe as other people, but, and that's actually really common with depression to have physical pain or fatigue elements as well. There's a a big physical element to a lot of mental illness. And so I'm also having to work within sort of my own physicality and my own Physical limits and where the intersection of like my psychology, my motivation, my energy levels, my physical well being all kind of intersect. I have really have to cram so much into those magical hours where <laughs> things don't feel as bad. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I think a lot of people who have, um, you know, any sort of mental illness doesn't necessarily have to be depression, but like where you have these real highs and lows you get really used to making the most out of the days that are better because the rest mm-hmm. of the the time is just sort of lost time. And you get kind of used to that if you have depression is having these periods of just lost time that I think would drive you, Chris, absolutely insane. But oh gosh. I'm very used to having two or three days out of a week be completely useless. And that's just sort of my baseline. <laughs> like yeah. the idea to me now that I'm, you know, self-employed, of actually working on a consistent schedule is completely impossible to me. And mm-hmm. it was only possible for me to do that in the past by like my sense of nagging guilt if I didn't perform for, you know, um, you know, my students and my colleagues and stuff. But as a self-employed, self-motivated individual with depression, anxiety, oh, my God, it's just I can't ever make a schedule. It's just like I truly just wake up and see how my brain and my body feel that day. And then I structure my day around that. And that's Mm -hmm. why, you know, your method of like, you know, making your to-do list the night before, like that just doesn't work for me. Like when I've tried to do things like that, like plan for the next day the night before I just can't anticipate how I'm going to feel when I wake up. And um, I think a lot of people probably can relate to that, that it's really hard to plan for where you're going to be at the next day. So for me, I just kind of have to play as it goes. But then that means that when I have that sort of like that clouds parting moment of sunshine, um, it's like nose to the grindstone. Is that the phrase? Like. I don't know. That's a very weird phrase if that's the phrase, but I just really have to, let's say, pedal to the metal to keep the car, the car stuff going. Yeah.
1: Um, We'll just keep the the car stuff going for as long as possible.
0: And keep the noses not being ground because that's a weird one. I don't, is that, is that a phrase?
1: I don't, I know there is a phrase related to that, um, but I'm not sure. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take the wheel. Go for for it.
0: Ah, wheel. Did you see? Yeah. You saw
1: that? Yeah. I was, it's just fascinating to me to, to hear kind of how we differ on this kind of stuff. Because for me, like writing the list the night before, um, for me, like the worst feeling for me is to wake up in the morning and not know what success looks like that day, because I spent years where it was a bit of a guessing game for me. and And actually having that direction, like I kind of I think particularly people with ADHD and anxiety, there is this sense in which you're kind of like a sailboat, you know, and, uh, and whichever way the wind is going, you're going to be pushed in that direction and that can be good wind or bad wind, you know? And so for me, like the, the writing the list the night before is like a preventative measure to make sure I know what wind I'm at least looking for, you know? And it's like, and I may not be able to do the task that I set out to do but at least I know what I'm trying to do or what some version of success looks like for me. And I just find really, I, I've really relished the opportunity to work for myself because um, as I, I kind of I was alluded to before a little bit, just being self-employed for me means that I can choose the tasks. Like some days I wake up and I know that I don't want to do whatever that task is. And some days um, it's 1 p.m. and I'm, I'm not finished writing this, but I just know I don't have the mental capacity to write. So I'll switch to something which is a little bit more passive, like for example, editing a podcast or editing this podcast. I know that I have enough capabilities to do that. And so I appreciate the opportunity to try and make sure that the tasks fit my mindset. Yes. And I think you're doing that too. Oh, for but sure. But it just looks really, it just looks different because we have different ways to um, to approach things. And the And the whole burnout thing for me, like I am like, you know, for me, it's like, I'm like three months don't stop. And then like three days of like, how did this happen? You know? <laughs> and like, and it happens over and over again and I'm, I'm getting better with it. But you know, burnouts is a real thing. I mean, we can, we can mm-hmm. do another episode about burnout sometime. Oh, yeah. Anyways, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you respond to some of that. Cause I'm sure you'll have uh, something to say.
0: Yeah. So for me, I don't get, now that I'm f- like, you know, physically stuck in one place, um, I don't really get burnout so much because a lot of my burnout has to do with, like, taking in unfamiliar environments, um, which is, you know, one of the great joys, but also one of the great struggles of traveling Um, if you're anxious is a lot of stimuli can be overwhelming at times. And so even if you're not having anxiety in the moment as you're traveling, I think the unfamiliarity and the uprootedness of constantly absorbing all this new information and new stimuli and new, you know, words, new signs, new ideas, new roads, just new everything. I get super burned out when I'm traveling. So for me, this pause of being sort of forced to stop traveling and have to just focus on myself and focus on my work, for my burnout, it's actually been quite good um, because I I have those days where I take those breaks, but it's also been a little bit bad for my procrastination tendencies as well because when all days look the same, there's no sense of urgency to do anything, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So it's like, oh, well, tomorrow is exactly the same as today, so there's really no reason for me to clean the house today. I'll just continue living in filth like a fucking raccoon and just (laughs) and just yeah just like party in my fucking trash except i'm not partying because i'm tired (laughs) and also still not drinking i haven't had a drink in about two months chris and i want five check marks for that because it's very hard for me to stop drinking and i have not had a drink in two months
1: I have, uh, I actually just gave you five check marks on my list, um, oh. which is, yeah, pretty exciting. And yeah. I have one of those stickers with the oversized emojis and the big <gasps> mouth that's just like, success. So you'll be very thrilled.
0: <laughs> oh, yay. Yeah. So that's <laughs> been something that's been um, actually really nice for me in quarantine is it was a tough couple of like first couple of weeks, but now it's like not part of my habit set anymore, and I just feel a lot healthier, and I get less headaches. Um, though clearly not enough less headaches. <laughs> um, but yeah, so just wanted to preemptively pat myself on the back for that. Um, one other thing uh, I wanted to talk about, I guess, is. We read this article, well, I read this article um, about, it's called Why You Procrastinate, parentheses, it has nothing to do with self-control, end parentheses. Um, It's on the New York Times, we'll link it in the episode description, and it talked about quite a few things that I thought were really interesting and things that I had never really conceptualized before. But one thing that I wanted to talk about that it brought up was the idea put forth by um, Dr. Pierce Steele that um, procrastination is a form of self-harm. And I don't want to make it seem like we're taking self-harm, you know, lightly. I know there are people who, you know, struggle a lot more with maybe physical self-harm or other forms of self-harm. But... I do think it's actually a useful framework to, to keep in mind because it's actually a pretty accurate description. It's like a form of psychological self-harm because you keep doing something that makes you feel like shit and you know it makes you feel like shit and the knowing is actually what makes it the most pernicious because it, it, it brings on a sense of guilt, that you're doing something that you know is bad for you. It's like, you know, continuing to smoke cigarettes or continuing to drink when you know you have a problem with it and want to stop. So, you get sort of this guilt and beating yourself up cycle that is ultimately more harmful than the procrastination itself. So, I just sort of wanted to talk about that a little bit and um, how I think that that's an element of procrastination that we often forget about is we think about the event that's being put off, and we don't think about the mental toll. And that's why we we are bringing this this to an episode um, is that that's why we're anxious about procrastinations. We're anxious about the the feelings of guilt, the feelings of of just anger with yourself for not being able to do the things in a timely fashion that's what provokes the anxiety is not so much the actual action not being done because the action not being done is ultimately relatively neutral what's not neutral is how you feel about it and so that's really where the like the difficulty of procrastination comes in and the sort of self-fulfilling cyclical prophecy self-fulfilling prophecy or cyclical nature of it kind of comes in
1: i was just going to hop in and say i, I think that it's just a fascinating way to to look at it and i think that the one thing that you mentioned which should be highlighted for sure is just that notion of that it's, it's not exactly it's definitely not the event itself and this is like classic stoicism by the way um, i love stoicism yeah, right on. Uh, like, And just to be like, get stoic nerd on you, like when you were talking about um, what, you know, previously about travel, I was thinking about the Seneca quote, which is like travel and, ch- what is it? Travel and change of place impart new vigor to the mind. Anyways. Um, <laughs> I like your anyways, Seneca voice. Thank you. I, I've I haven't practicing. done any new
0: voice impressions for a while. So is this, are you trying to steal my my future jobs being a voice I'm just saying
1: (laughs) I'm just saying that you need to think about when you're dropping quotes like I just did how you're going to approach that because Mm -hmm. I was practicing that Seneca in the mirror for you know days so (laughs) so I was I I was prepared what I was going to get at was the that I think what can be difficult with procrastination particularly as it relates to anxiety is that you can have this situation where you have one task which is kind of eating at your soul a little bit, right? And like providing this shame. And the example, of course, would be the classic example you talked about where there's something that you've been putting off since 2016, which would be immediately beneficial to you. It's not to say that you haven't thought about that every single day you have, but it just, you haven't gotten to it yet. But the, the real thing is that in, in our minds, I think we look at a task like that and we think, okay, well, when I get that done, like that, um, that shame is going to be removed. But but in actuality, what happens a lot of the time with procrastination and anxiety and, and i think in adhd at least i can speak to to some extent is that we don't actually absolve ourselves of that shame we just assign it to a new task that should have been done and i think that's what we need to be weary of is like is that um there's this tendency we have to just just making sure that that what we'll call the like the the shame the shame flame you know keeping that alive you know and yeah. just like keeping it, keeping it lit and i think it largely has nothing to do with the task being done or not. It's just that you're so used to having, like, I think about the, uh um, you know, the eternal flame, which is outside of the parliament buildings in Ottawa and Canada. Um, but like, you know, there's every, there's a lot of those around the world. There's like they're lit forever or whatever. I feel like that's what people's anxiety do. Yeah. You know, they keep the, the uh, and can we make sure that we coin this phrase and talk about the shame flame a lot? Cause yeah. I feel like that T- was shirts? accidentally pretty good. <laughs> T- oh, def- definitely there's T-shirt potential <laughs> because mm-hmm. we can really bring in the flame design and emoji. Um, yeah. Ryan's actually pretty good in the graphic design. So Ooh, we might have nice. to hit Mr. Ryan Patel up and he would love to do a shirt on the shame flame. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Anyways, those are all, I think I'd love to hear what you whether you think that's true as far as like, is it task related or is that like a place we hold, like a seat that we hold at the table seemingly endlessly?
0: I think it's both. I think it's a lot of it is we need something to kind of flagellate ourselves for, you know, like what's mm-hmm. our what's our failing of the day, you yeah. know, and we aren't so creative to keep coming up with other new things that <laughs> we are flagellating ourselves for. So we just keep returning to the same task. And if we put it off indefinitely, we can just keep whipping ourselves for not doing it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like. <laughs>
1: You need something to burn with the shame flame. Like, even like, even if there's nothing on top of the fire at that moment, you're just like, yeah. I, I I like, you're like, I smell burning, but like, I don't know what it is. And you're like, let me add something to the fire.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, I just feel like you kind of just need like your, your you're failing du jour. You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, okay, well. I
1: love that. You're failing du jour. On today's menu, we have your your inability to floss, you horrible piece of human garbage. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I think that is it. But I also think the task itself does, you know, create a situation for us as well that you know, it, it is a real thing. It's not 100% in your head. So mm-hmm. I think it, it is both, but mostly you're so used to having something that you're kind of just beating yourself up for. I think people with anxiety are incredibly hard on themselves. And mm-hmm. so um, you're just, you replay things a lot. I think you kind of yeah. just are just rewinding like your worst moments and are just like constantly recording them, like uh, like or repeating them. I'm just thinking about, you know, all the times where I think about something I said that admittedly was stupid or, you know, not thoughtful or hurtful. But like mm-hmm. from almost 12 years ago yeah, like, exactly. you know like and it's like okay like where is the where is the humility towards yourself you know where is the ability to like extend yourself a little bit of grace you mm-hmm. do that for other people but you don't do that for yourself, for yourself. and i think yeah. you know it's important to be able to do that and actually in the article one thing that i thought was interesting was that self compassion is kind of innately tied with procrastination rather the lack of self-compassion is innately tied with procrastination and that people who work on cultivating self-compassion end up actually doing better at avoiding procrastination and the ability to forgive yourself for procrastinating makes you less likely to do it in the future and I don't really know how one forgives himself for procrastinating um, and like to, um, I don't really know how that's something. You know, I'm can... going to
1: plug mindfulness right now, right? Like, <sighs> yeah. like, you know, you know, that's coming. Know. Like if you, you're talking about self-compassion and awareness and also, you know, like you're talking about anxiety and living in the past and living, like if we're not careful, we just live in the past or the future and we don't live in the present. Yeah. How do you live in the present? mindfulness and that's and and this is not one of these things where like i don't want people to like listen to that and be like oh god chris is talking about my house again That's why roll i, I kind of want like, to
0: punch you right now but it's Just tempo, like a but it mild is, punch
1: but it is yeah i'll <laughs> take a mild punch because i'm willing to take punches for my listeners okay but um it's the exact same thing that i talked to you about before probably like off and off and on the mic which is like it doesn't have to be Um, this thing where it's like, okay, so you're going to go into a room, light sent candles for three hours and come out a new person. It's like, it's honestly can be as simple as like, yeah, you download an app like calm or 10% or whatever. And you try to meditate for a couple minutes in the morning, maybe, or I tried guided, like I find meditation without guidance difficult sometimes. So I'll do like a quick guided meditation on something I'm interested in. It can also be like mindfulness is also this simple like the most simple practice that i implement with mindfulness is when i feel overwhelmed i pause and take three deep breaths in out in out in out it seems like something which would have no real effect but for someone like myself who like put it this way like you know those toys that you wind up and they just like go ballistic and go in circles yeah that's me so like when i'm wound up and i'm like i think i'm tired of walking in circles like and like stomping all around like The the three deep breaths is how I turn that that wind up off. And I think try, you know, I don't want to be too prescriptive here, but like for people who feel that maybe like I do a little bit, like try and when you're like spiraling a bit, like literally pause and take three deep breaths. Like the effect is palpable. It's real. Like I'm not saying you're gonna like you're gonna be in the middle of some. Um, like relationship altering argument and you take three deep breaths and you're like I think I love you again Janet like it's not that you know what I mean it's it's more just like you can at least get some perspective on the situation and put a comma in a sentence that's being written in all caps
0: yeah <laughs> I like that um yeah i try but it's very we all try difficult. like I'm,
1: I'm still a fa- <laughs> I'm still a failure with it like uh, I shouldn't say that because that's totally antithetical to what I'm trying to promote <laughs> but I, I still I should put it this way I am so at the beginning like if I'm looking at like my journey into mindfulness I've walked about 10 feet and I'm trying to get a couple hundred kilometers you know like yeah. but at least I'm on the path and that feels like something like I'm fine going turtle slow on this path um because i know that there's i've so much learning to do but i'm reading a lot about it and i'm trying to understand a lot about it and it is having a tangible positive effect because like i used to have almost no ability to objectively look at what the situation and figure out what i needed i would just spiral into like a justify feeling that way or drink a couple extra beers or whatever it was like to numb the emotion um as opposed to address the emotion and yeah. it feels like an important difference.
0: Yeah, I just like my brain just like froze up because I just had a very like buddha-esque moment where I'm like and that is why it is called practicing meditation because it is yes. something you practice not perfect. Oh.
1: <laughs> Snap. Do you like my buddha it. voice?
0: <laughs> I, did.
1: I did. I did. He's somehow he's somehow like like a touch Elizabethan or something. Maybe not Elizabethan. Yeah, I don't like know he...
0: why because like yeah, like but he probably didn't I, at all speak like that. Like
1: we yeah. like, like, heard of the lotus flower. Yeah, that was
0: basically like a human water fountain.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and now Alison will perform the Buddha. Um <laughs>
0: <laughs> But yeah. Um oh, but yeah, that I think <laughs> Yeah. So I do struggle though with, with like living in the present tense. It's a very uncomfortable place to be at times and I think for a lot of people with anxiety they will understand that you know like I'm like fidgeting right now in the present moment and um, it's just something it's just you get really used to thinking about the past or the future and it's really Mm -hmm. difficult to just be in what is especially if being in what is is what's Uncomfortable, you know, Mm -hmm. like when you're having a panic attack, you don't really want to be in that moment, you know. Can I double down on the present right now? I'm really,
1: but yeah, but you could also give me another slice of present, (laughs) yeah. yeah, I'd love some more present right now, but you could also argue that the panic attack you're having in the present is largely because you spend so much time revving up the past, you know, at least for me or the future, um, yeah. yeah. And uh, and this is why it's so interesting, like. I know I don't see myself the way other people see me. You know, like I'm ridiculously hard on myself. And so I find praise. I almost feel like when I get praise, I have to like remind myself that it's genuine and people aren't just trying to make me feel good, you know, cause I'm incomplete. Like, it's just like um, I know objectively that I'm doing some things well, you know, and that I, mm-hmm. I have some skills and things like that, but it's hard. it's hard for me to focus on, you know, what I'm doing well right now when I have so many I have like a, like a greatest hits in my mind of the failures of my past, oh, yeah. you know?
0: Yep, I have like my like self-flagellation reel that I just like wind exactly. up like, let's watch this movie for the 500th time. It's like a little right. kid who's obsessed with that <laughs> one fucking movie and just exactly. like winds it up like over and over again. Like, okay, let's relive this moment, this moment, this moment, and this moment where you fucking sucked.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And like, and it's like little things too. Like I'm trying to be like, I want to be a good, son to my parents and stuff like that but i'll focus on something i did in my teenage years where i'm like well that wasn't being a very good son chris was it you know and yeah but at the same time too i want to make sure that the you know the the love i share with my family and friends and my parents and all that kind of stuff right now comes from a place of like not trying to make up for lost time but try to make the most of this time you know so like yeah it's something i have to be cognizant of and and if there's anything i'm going to look at for the future it's not like i'm not this or i'm not that it's more thinking about like well i need to be this person today, or try to be this person today, because that will mean that tomorrow, you know, that I'm a caring son or brother or husband or whatever. But realistically, like if if we want to break down that, for me at least, when I'm trying to not panic about tomorrow and yesterday, I, I just try to be cognizant of like the fact that uh, I will just do the best I can today, and that's all I can do. And that doesn't mean that I don't regularly go back to the past and present, like, you know, I think you'll probably understand exactly what I mean here. Like sometimes you're doing something totally unrelated and like a, like a a painful memory from the past just like swoops into your brain and hijacks you for a second. You're like, what the hell is this? Yeah. What the hell is this? I'm literally like, I don't need this.
0: Yeah. You're almost like possessed by like a random (laughs) thought ghost of the past. And you're just like, this is irrelevant.
1: (laughs) Allison, it looks like you're doing pretty well right now. Can I just hijack you for a second? Yeah. Sincerely, your brain.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) While we're talking um, a little bit about like past and present, I just wanted to speak about this one concept called um, present bias that I thought was really interesting. Um, This is also from the New York Times article. But um, our brains have a hardwired tendency to prioritize short-term needs ahead of long-term ones. And um, that I think is really interesting is that a lot of what we do when we procrastinate is actually sort of a twisted version of mindfulness is kind of like thinking about ourselves in the present in a way that ignores the fact that we have a future Hmm. because doing the task in the present is too painful. If that makes Hmm. sense.
1: Yeah. Elaborate on that. Like maybe if like with a personal example, maybe for anyone who might not get that or just like elaborate on a little bit more for I think I you know, understand what you're saying, but I'd love to hear how do you think that relates to your own anxiety, for example?
0: Okay, so like, for example, with doing my taxes, like, I know from past experience, because these have remained like looming over my head for years, that not doing this makes me feel shitty. Right, but I exactly. also know that in the present moment, I'm not doing it, and I feel good about the fact that I'm not doing it which yeah. is almost sort of a reward in and of itself like avoidance avoiding a task i'm going to just totally go on a different uh like switch tack here and go back to edu- like my education teaching and learning like psychologically the hardest behaviors to extinguish are avoidance behaviors because mm-hmm. avoidance is in and of itself, innately rewarding. And so when you're talking about like behavior management in an education setting, you're talking about typically kids will do things for like attention or avoidance, or maybe there's maybe one other that I'm forgetting. And so it's easier to address things like attention because you can just not give attention or you can, you know, uh, there are other things as well that you can just not give, but avoidance is innately rewarding. And that's why it's the hardest to, to extinguish because in the exact moment you're actually doing, you're getting the reward, whether or mm. not you decide to, you know, no matter what you do, you get the reward. It's like addiction, right? It is. Yeah, it a- is.
1: I'm very familiar with addiction because I have lost friends in the past from it and so on and so forth. And, and I think it's like, there is this horrible addiction. I, I think there's a parallel in the sense that somebody, they feel so bad about their addiction but at the same time, too, they're not ready to address it in that present moment and to prioritize the the amount of joy you'd feel in the present moment without thinking about the future or the past yeah. it's to indulge in drugs again. And, and, and almost by prioritizing that behavior in the present moment, you're almost throwing the finger to the past and the future and, and ignoring the implications, if yeah. that makes sense.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that is part of the present bias. And um, I think it's actually a really apt comparison that you drew. And so just to speak a little bit more about this concept, and I'm quoting again from the New York Times article here, is on a neural level, we perceive our future selves more like strangers than as part of ourselves. So when we procrastinate, part of our brains actually think that the tasks we're putting off and the accompanying negative feelings that await us on the other side are somebody else's problem. And I think you can liken that to addiction as well to say that you're present by – because you're living in the present and that's what you're feeling at that moment, you are more wired mentally, just evolutionary-wise, to avoid the pain in the present And the future is still conceptual to you, even though you know that at some point the future will be your present, you still just can make mental diversions in order to avoid that knowledge and to indulge in something in the present that you know is bad for you long term but gives you that immediate reward. And Mm -hmm. so I think that that's sort of, it's interesting. I'm glad you brought up addiction in this context because I think procrastination is kind of a form of addiction in a way. It's an addiction to avoidance essentially. And um, an addiction to keeping yourself in a low place as well. I think there is something with addiction you know, speaking to uh, someone with um, like a lot of addiction in my family is that addiction a lot of times comes from a place of feeling worthless or feeling like you're someone who doesn't deserve joy, kind of. And so you continue to do something fully knowing that in the future, you know, you're going to hate yourself for doing it because you actually kind of want to feel the hate because
1: it you double down on you double down on the hate
0: yeah it feeds into this loop that you've created for yourself and i think you keep living in that loop because it's less mentally taxing than creating a whole new framework you know and Mm -hmm. so you'd rather just kind of live in that Like, you know, yeah, the narrative, the the addiction, indulgence, shame spiral, you know, that's just like you just kind of go back and forth, indulge, shame, indulge, shame, indulge, shame. And you just kind of go in a loop. And I think that that's really what a lot of people get stuck in. And that's why it's really hard, because one feeds into the other. It's like it's just like a perfect, you know, those sort of two curved arrows that make a circle kind of the you know, like di- I'm thinking, in a, uh, I'm trying to draw like a verbal diagram. I don't think it worked. but um, I think it works. I think yeah. I think
1: people will get will definitely get it. Yeah, exactly one feeds
0: into it. the other. So yeah,
1: for sure. I think that's really fascinating. And and it's, it's a reminder to me of this old parable. I think I mentioned it before, like the old parable, of, there's a and there's a podcast that kind of draws upon this parable. But it's the old parable of the um, the two wolves, right? And it says, like, uh, there's this like grandma who tells their grandson that like we all have a different wolf uh, inside of us. There's a there's a good wolf and there's a bad wolf. And the grand daughter or son says to grandma like, well, which which wolf lives in me and she says the one you feed. Mm -hmm. and uh it's this interesting thing where like we when we're feeding one particular wolf you know we feel like that's who we are and that's what we deserve and that's what that's all of us and when we're feeding the other wolf you know you feel like that's who you are and whatever but but the truth is that we are all both wolves you know to to some extent right and so Mm -hmm. it's like it's about understanding like when we have that compulsion to double and triple and quadruple down on, on that aspect of ourselves and uh, we'll say feed the shame flame. Yeah. Um, that's, Just that's actually, when we need, yeah, that's when we need to back up the most and that's really where support comes into play, right? Like having mm-hmm. someone you trust to be like, I am st- like, I am stuck in this loop, you know, and you know, I haven't always been my, my best self. That's for sure. You know, I'm, I'm a, uh, I'm a flawed person like everybody else who is doing my best. And I think in a way, like my journey towards becoming my better self started when I admitted that I was flawed in the first place. And that's why it all ties back, I think, in some sense to this idea of perfectionism and procrastination. Right. Where it's like procrastination becomes a lot less painful when every task doesn't have to be perfect because we're not perfect. You know what I mean?
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that was a nice little tangent we went on. I liked that.
1: I think so too. I'm like, I'm, um I realized we didn't set up backup recordings on our phone. So I'm just like praying oh, that everything yeah. goes, I'm <laughs> praying that everything goes all right. I was, when yeah. you were talking, I started to get anxious because I was like, oh my gosh, I think this is really good and I, we can't afford to lose this. No. Nah. Um, Oh, I so think we'll this, be okay. <laughs> oh, I, th- I, know, I know we'll be okay. Um, and if people are listening to this, then they know we've been okay too. So that's yes. good. Yes. Um, I think that's probably a really smart place to um, to wrap things up on. Um, yeah. Do you want to, I guess, maybe just uh, some something we've been doing at least uh, as of late a little bit is just having like a couple of minutes to talk about any tips or ideas we have before we go into the final wrap up. Did yeah, you want to... I think we can probably talk probably personally about a few things that we might try to do mm-hmm. that might be helpful for people.
0: Yep, absolutely. So I'm going to speak as an utter failure. So please take uh, literally an, an entire box of salt um, when you listen to what I say. And
1: also, I'm <laughs> going to take that salt and throw it away and throw exactly what you said away because you're the farthest thing from a failure I know. And I was oh, thinking- no, I don't mean Hold like-
0: on. Okay, go ahead.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, you're, you're getting praised, so you're going to have okay. to pause for a second. Um, <laughs> what I was going to say before is, and this is just uh, sentimental Chris coming out. Um, and uh, I realized probably that you weren't exactly saying you're an utter failure, but I hear that word and uh, <laughs> the alarms go off in my soul. Papa Bear so comes I just out. wanted to say, yeah, exactly. I thought that some of the tangents and the way you express certain things this episode are the best that you've done, period. And in the fifteen episodes, I've seen you grow dramatically, and so even jokingly ascribing yourself like that seems crazy to me, so I just want to let you know if I could write a review on the episode or of your life, I would give you five stars. Oh and I will also say that I will use this as a chance to promote us and so you should give us <laughs> five stars. Not surprised
0: about- literally yeah, couldn't you. be less surprised by that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So now you for, take
1: it and take the praise.
0: Yeah. For the record, I was referring to myself as a failure in the art of avoiding procrastination, not like a macro level failure. But Still, I will take the praise. I will take the praise. Yeah. I will put it in my pocket for the next time mm-hmm. I feel like shit for uh, you know, avoiding something. Thank
1: you. Listen to those fifteen seconds over and over, keep <laughs> on a loop.
0: Yeah. So these are not necessarily things that I Practice, but this is, these are things that I read in the article are ways to sort of work through procrastination. Is um, what I said before about trying to build up some self compassion. And that makes kind of that kind of ties into what we were saying about that shame indulgence sort of spiral that you can get into. And sorry, I have like a fly just like aggressively flying at my face, so I'm sort of losing my train of thought. Um, just like like at me, okay. Um,
1: there, you had your voice. Yeah, that was yeah. your second voice this episode. Nice.
0: Getting back into it. Um,
1: the fly and Elizabethan Buddha.
0: Classics on any voice actor, real. Um, but trying to forgive yourself. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. Go yeah. ahead. trying oh, God. to
0: um, forgive yourself can sort of short circuit the the mental loop that you get into with yourself because if you normally the shame spiral kind of works, uh, the flame shame, excuse me, kind of works by you, um, <laughs> you know, you fuck up and then you get mad at yourself for fucking up. So then you. S- fuck up again because you're mad about fucking up or sad or Mm -hmm. whatever and so instead if you kind of short circuit that by not getting mad or upset when you mess up theoretically you can avoid that in the future because you didn't create the conditions for you to then get angry with yourself again you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. sort of i guess then Chris would prescribe mindfulness as the uh, antidote for for such mm-hmm. a thing. But I do think that, yeah, um, practicing mindfulness is most likely a very good method for getting yourself out of the procrastination spiral. I haven't personally been able to ever get out of the procrastination spiral. It's just my life, essentially, right now. I'm working towards it, but... Um, I think that would be a tool which you could, you could use. And Chris, I know you like the 10% app and Calm as well. Um, I like Simple Habit. I'm not a very big uh, meditator. I'm still, I'm still working on it. Um, But I like Simple Habit because all of the, um, all of the meditations are very like, direct guidance like they have you know like meditation for you know um anxiety meditation for headache meditation for um you know just like very specific things so it's like oh i have a case of this let me (laughs) let me find the uh, the meditation for that so i like that it's very directed because if because to me, meditation is such a like, whoa, concept. It's like, it's yeah. too it's too broad. So I like being able to like zero in on something very specific. Um,
1: so I, I don't want to cut you off, but I will no, say that's why it. I like t- 10% as well um, is because it doesn't take, it takes away this like, like woohoo meditation is this, that, and the other. Like there's a um, particular guy on the 10% app called Jeff Warren who co-wrote the book 10% Happier. And he's very much just like, he pokes fun almost at meditation itself. It's like, you're probably hating yourself right now. That's all right. We all do. Like, it's very much like, um, it plays on the notion that of, of the like woo woo meditation sort of idea. Um, I'd also recommend the book. Oh no. What was it? It was, was it 10% happier? No, it's, it's Jeff. It's Dan Harris's other book
0: meditation but, uh, for fidgety skeptics i feel like this i feel like i've read it even though i haven't I actually bought it but yeah. never finished it because i lost my kindle yeah. but i found my kindle which i'm very happy about
1: yeah so that's so anyways that's a like i feel like <laughs> meditation for fidgety, fidgety skeptics is also a good book to read if you're like it just takes a lot of the like the woo-woo out of, out of meditation so it's something yeah. to think about anyways i feel like you probably had another point to make so i will i will uh fade into the mist for a second
0: Um, Yeah, the other thing that this article suggested is um, sort of segmenting tasks to to make them less, um, you know, less overwhelming and focusing just on the next action. Like, what is the next thing I need to do in order to start this? So, like, in the, you know, instance of uh, some sort of giant paperwork headache maybe the first thing you need to do is make one phone call to Mm. start the process. So just focusing on just the phone call and then the next step and then the next step and just sort of allowing yourself breaks between those rather than what I do, which is like this marathon, perfect sprint. And, um, one thing that I thought was interesting, they say, um, you could uh, consider the next action as just a possibility. Like what's the next action I take on this if I were going to do it, even though I'm not. So just Mm -hmm. thinking about what you would do, even if you're not and how that would look going through all the steps that can make it less overwhelming. Uh, Mm -hmm. Another one uh, that people suggest is making your, your, your temptations or avoidance mechanisms Less easy to access. So, you know, things like putting a a limit on your social media, like we talked about last week, or, you know, maybe creating a a more difficult system for whatever your preferred method of procrastination is, um, creating sort of a system that kind of limits your ability to procrastinate. I just like resist that hardcore because uh i'm very rebellious by nature so if someone tells me that i like if i if my app tells me that i've spent too much screen time i'm like guess what fuck you app i can just disable you you can't beat that <laughs> can you
1: <laughs> i'm stronger than you app
0: yeah come on ai like what's next huh huh <laughs> um so yelling the- at your
1: phone on the streets again you're yeah. like oh gosh
0: yeah <laughs> Um, So those are the things that were recommended in the article. But again, this is speaking as someone who still constantly struggles with procrastination. So these are more like theoretical pieces of advice. One actionable piece of advice I can offer, though, is for people who have issues with perfectionism, there is a, a podcast that I really like called Unfuck Your Brain, that has a lot of really great episodes on, um, perfectionism. And I think one is called like perfectionism and tomorrow thinking. I don't, Mm. I can, I can confirm that in a minute, but, um, that's a really, really good place to sort of start with her podcast. It's, uh, it's, she really breaks down perfectionism, perfectionism in a way that's really helpful. Yeah. I, I found her, her podcast to be really great.
1: Cool, I like it. Some of what you were saying really reminds me of a book I read called Atomic Habits by James Clear.
0: I love that book.
1: Yeah, so like the whole tenet is like tiny changes, remarkable results, right? And so what you were saying there from the article, this is a bit extreme in my opinion, but they were talking about like developing a gym habit, like literally start by going for five minutes and then leaving, like just build that habit of driving well, there. After not even
0: like the habit would be putting your shoes on. You yeah, know, that's how that was yeah. the, how he started, yeah. and you know, yeah, exactly rolling out your yoga mat even if you don't touch it. Yeah, you know? which seemed a
1: little ex- ex- little yeah. extreme to me, but I also understand like in his in his mind it was about like effectiveness of of creating that neural pathway you know in a sense like creating opening Mm -hmm. that door and being the type of person who does do that right so yes i thought it was fascinating i just wanted to
0: correct myself quickly the the episode title that i wanted to recommend of unfuck your brain is uh episode 90 perfectionist fantasies and tomorrow thinking that's a really good episode um so
1: if you want to follow
0: up to that i recommend that episode and her podcast is very bingeable so yeah
1: great it's great it's great if you want to procrastinate
0: (laughs) yeah if you're trying not to do something just listen to like all 160 episodes of first then you'll never have to do anything again
1: stop everything you're doing just do that
0: and then binge just next and then five stars and then maybe just write us like a really thoughtful letter about how much you've changed your lives and then you'll never have to do anything you don't want to do again
1: and then just tell everybody you know um that we solved your problems yeah exactly (laughs) and then write a hundred reviews it's very simple (laughs) i i was uh I was going to say just a few things that I thought about um as far as maybe some actionable things that I've done to to help combat procrastination one of which is like email used to be a big thing for me until I I bought a program called Mixmax, which allows me to snooze uh, emails like this is part of the functionality of Gmail, I think innately anyways, but you snooze your emails to come back at an appropriate time for yourself and leave a note of what you were going to do. So, for example, if an email comes and I'm just not ready to deal with it and it's Tuesday and I know I'll be able to deal with it on Friday morning, I'll have it sent back to me on Friday morning with a note of what I was thinking I was going to do Mm -hmm. and it makes it a lot more manageable. I also realized I was getting kind of two or three emails a lot. So I created backend templates on mixed so that I just hit comma and whatever it is. So for example, I, whenever I have someone reach out to me for sponsored content, it seems like a good fit for my site. I have a template where I just literally go comma sponsored and it populates like a 350 word comprehensive email. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, this for me is like a time hack, but it also means that, email has become a lot less of a source of stress like if we're like i've lowered the the uh the shame flame on that so something to think about like their, Shame ember it's like yeah exactly <laughs> it's still there i could still cook with it but it's not <laughs> you know and then uh, the other thing for me is that uh like and for me that's the way that i respect my procrastination and then the other um the other thing that i do is is confronting my procrastination so i know that I have a real problem with procrastination when I feel like I might feel stupid about it or I feel disorganized or that I'm going to have to confront, like, I don't know, like in the same way that in a classroom, like you might not want to put up your hand if you don't have the right answer and you're scared about being shamed. And so like I would create procrastination around that kind of stuff. And so the way that I get around it is making sure that I feel comfortable with it. So for example, I'm creating content Uh, For four different websites right now. So I use Trello to mark down and organize all the upcoming articles that I have for each of those. And I mark them. I use the same priority system that I use for my daily tasks in the same colors to show which ones I need to do next. And I organize them as things are going. And for me, it might sound like, a little stressful at the beginning but for me it's hugely helpful when i feel stressed out about all the things i need to do as far as creating content for my site to mm-hmm. look and even have due dates for when things are going to be done and stuff like that yeah it allows me to visualize exactly what i need to do so for me i think about like confronting and respecting my procrastination yeah. by by Absolutely. doing those sorts of things
0: yeah. i also really love trello i love that it's super visual and yeah. you know i've tried other sort of like a task Asana, management app. Oh, fuck Asana. Like, sorry if they ever want to sponsor us, but I would not, like, I cannot handle Asana. Like, it just...
1: Asana, no one to give you anxiety is sponsoring I'm anxious about.
0: <laughs> but like, it's just, it was too much. Not intuitive. Yeah, it's not intuitive at all. And it would make me more frustrated when I was working, like a client was requiring that I use it. And it was more frustrating trying to figure out. And I was like, I would rather just email you. But Trello mm-hmm. is super, like, it's very visually appealing. It's like very easy to use. It's literally almost like Post-its that you can just like kind of drag exactly. and drop across a screen. And like the sharing functionalities, it's it's almost too simple But that's what makes it really good because it's very, you can really just create a system that works for you. And it's basically like post-its that you can share across a screen. And it's very simple, but that makes it really powerful in a way because you kind of can tailor it to what you use. I manage a lot of writers. I have like, I don't know, let's say at least 10 writers across my many websites. And it's really useful for managing all the people that I need to manage and keeping up with because sometimes I feel guilty when I don't have enough assignments to give them and I kind of get a little bit you know behind on assigning work and it's really great because I can just kind of load up Trello and then get people get people rolling yeah Yeah. but anyway um let's wrap this up because we kind of lied to our audience and told them that this would be a short episode and we're at an hour 20.
1: Yeah, shocking, <laughs> shocking. Uh, but we'll we'll make sure we don't do the uh, accidental two hour here. We'll we'll wrap no. it up pretty nicely with a bow here. I guess we'll just thank everybody for getting their collective fill of us. Um, this is starting to turn into a strange metaphor, uh, so we'll move past that. Um, but just give a big old thank you to everyone for listening, tuning in to another episode, and we will be back in your ears next Thursday.
0: Thank you for listening. Goodbye. And don't procrastinate whatever you are doing this week.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Bye-bye.